0: Hey, this is Kyle Hegge. I'm the producer of the podcast. And instead of giving you a new episode this week, we're actually going to replay a really important episode on the Near West Side Partners, where we interviewed Keith Stanley, who's the executive director, and Rana Altenberg, who is president, again, of Near West Side Partners. We want to replay this episode for a few reasons. But the most important being that people often equate innovation with a new product or a new technology. But this show is all about innovation as a mindset and innovation as something that can be applied to any industry or any problem that you're trying to find a solution for. And this episode really gets at social innovation and finding new ways to combat societal failings that exist all around us. And over the past month, particularly the past week, these calls for change have never been more clear and more urgent. So we thought this episode was an important reminder to use innovation for good, the importance of building strong community, and also the importance of overlooking your biases and your assumptions. So before we replay, again, this, this really great, really important episode, we actually have Keith Stanley, again, who is the executive director on the line, and he's going to give a quick update on where the Near West Side partners are at for 2020, and then the full episode will play. Thanks for listening, and enjoy.
1: Hello, this is Keith Stanley, Executive Director of the Near West Side Partners. 2020 has been a very difficult year for many across the globe. COVID-19, unemployment, struggling financial markets, supply disruption, limited public transportation, and the call for social justice have all been a part of our year. The Near West Side Partners have been able to do the work This community-led, focused, and minded work during these tough times. And we are still providing the resources, neighborhood connections, and support to make our neighborhood a better place to live, work, and play. With the support of many, we've been able to accomplish quite a lot. We've given out nine grants to local businesses to cover rent and payroll expenses, supported 20 families with rent assistance, many who work in the near west side, completed multiple cleanups in the near west side, and supported several across the city, Removed graffiti from over 15 buildings in the near Cleaned up vacant lots hiring local community members. We're assisting businesses with repairs to their businesses due to the civil unrest. We are still meeting with our residents each week via our weekly webinars. We're educating landlords, renters, and homeowners on how to slow the spread of the virus. We're providing sanitizers, face masks, soap, detergent, and essential supplies to the public housing residents. We've even seen a 17% decrease in violent crime over the past year. That's five percentage points higher than the citywide average. Where funding is still needed for our vacant lot maintenance, our quarantine cleanups, our mirror art, our partnership with Neighborhood House for the drive-in movie nights, and our reckless driving campaign. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I ask that you reach out and connect to what we are doing via our social media platform. Thank you.
2: From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. Although many people may think that gaining consensus is a great thing, it doesn't work for innovation. In fact, the best ideas are usually the ones that make people uncomfortable. When there are too many people at the table, it's easy to get a lot of nice words, but not a lot of action. And that is what you might expect to happen when five large institutions, Marquette University, Harley-Davidson, Miller Coors, Aurora Healthcare, and Pottawatomie Business Development Corporation got together and created the Near West Side Partners to try and find innovative solutions to address the challenges in their Milwaukee neighborhood. This organization's goal is to revitalize and sustain the Near West Side as a thriving business and residential corridor. And on today's episode, I speak with Keith Stanley, who is the executive director, and Rana Altenberg, who is the president of Near West Side Partners. We discuss their approach to social innovation and unique challenges and opportunities associated with the work they are doing. We hear about the necessity of the right people to put any plan into action, the importance of overlooking your assumptions to get at the truth, and embracing the tension of sustaining what you currently have while also trying to build something better for the future. As Malcolm Gladwell said, innovation, the heart of the knowledge economy, is fundamentally social. That's what's on tap today enjoy. Ron and Keith, thank you for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. It's thank great you. to be here. So we're going to start, Keith, with you. You were somewhat of a childhood TV star. Your family was one of the participants in a PBS Frontline series called Two American Families. How do you think your experiences growing up kind of shaped who you are today?
1: I would say that uh, there's a couple Character traits, uh, personality traits, I think were imprinted upon me, upon me at a young, very young age. A couple of those things being um, my dad, a hard-working man, rarely ever took off of work, and so that imprint always told me, work hard. So it was important for me that, you know, I think all of my brothers and sisters that, you know, do your best you can. Never use an excuse to not get up in the morning and and handle your responsibility. And I think um, the other imprint was, um, um, was my uh, mom um, really outgoing? Um, I even consider her like an innovator, a social innovator. She connected so well with the local community um, and people, and she was a real estate agent, so she always was thinking outside the box. And then both my parents, both being, having a religious background growing up, I would say those three items, the work ethic of my of my father the innovation and just the amazing, uh, I didn't mention this, but the verbal skill sets of my mom and then growing up in a religious household.
2: So, Rana, how about you? I think you grew up as the daughter of a couple physicians in northern Illinois. How did that experience shape who you are?
3: Well, my parents uh, both earned their medical degrees in Baghdad, Iraq, and our family comes from there. We've always been uh, also Catholic. But my parents, when they came to the U.S., uh, my sister was born in Iraq, and my mom was eight months pregnant with me when they landed in New York to begin their, you know, new American adventure. Uh, We grew up, you know, as an immigrant family. We were not struggling in the economic sense, but certainly I grew up feeling very first generation um, American, and we were always inspired to do everything we can to take advantage of everything this country offers us and the sense of privilege and the duty to give back and to be truly a person for others. And we grew up with that as really an ethos in
2: our family. You know, you both described something that uh, it reminds me of another interview I did. And he said, in his experience, it's like wine. And so he was in France, and the person in France mentioned that they believe that their wine in Bordeaux is better than California grapes, because in California, they water the grapes. And in France, they don't. You get what you get. And he says, the greatness comes from the struggle. And I think what you've both described a little bit is being around your parents and in these environments, you watched and saw them struggle, and it gave you kind of a different perspective on life. Does that make sense in your journeys?
3: I think that's a a great question. And
2: as I look back
3: on, you know, the struggles that we had as a family, it was a little bit of trying to fit in. You know, for for me, it was always just trying to figure out how I could do everything I can to show people that I belonged. And the other struggle that uh, I was able to witness is, you know, my mom – is, a doctor. And at that time, you know, in the 60s, there weren't a lot of female doctors. And so for me, she was always an inspiration and still is today of, you, you can have it all, maybe not all at the same time and in the way that you might envision it. I think the struggles that we witnessed allowed us to become the
2: people we are. You know, um, when we talk about people who are trying to do things that we call consider innovative, This word resiliency comes up, and people want to give it to someone. And, you know, I try to describe that resiliency is actually something you learn. You learn it through experience. I want to switch gears for a second. Near West Side Partners, how did it come about?
1: A domestic violence incident occurred um, near Harley Davis and then ended up with a young man um, pulling a gun out and shooting in the air, Uh, and the bullet. uh, landed on a window at Harley-Davidson, which really began to galvanize conversation about what's going on in the neighborhood.
3: They had been experiencing, you know, sort of an unprecedented amount of more violent crime in the area. Dr. Lovell started at Marquette as our first lay president. You know, here he is the new president, all excited about things, and and parents are asking about safety. So he suggested that we... um, meet with Harley Davidson's leadership the CEOs really agreed that while safety is the reason to have this discussion we should uh, be doing more as institutional stakeholders to collectively uh, address our neighborhoods our geography allowed us to come together as one
2: near west side so you have these this unique combination of events. These five partners come together. And I think it's great when you put a bunch of big companies in a room with really good intentions. But my sense is you typically get a lot of nice words and not much action out of it. And it seems to me like you guys have found a purpose that is kind of bigger than any one of the partners and made that the premise of this. So the question for you is, how do you make sure it's bigger? than any one partner's individual challenges.
1: The new partners, we believe in cross collaboration and that's a key word for us where who would think who would have thought of that you would have had a, you know, institution, Jesuit institution like Marquette University, you know, partnering with Harley Davidson, Molson Coors, uh, advocate of Royal Health in Potawatomi, on anything, <laughs> it's just the the missions are you know pretty unique for each organization, each institution. Even though um, they had their own rationale, and we embraced that on why they're involved, we all understood that we had to, it was important to make the near west side a, a better place to live, work, and play for everyone.
2: So when we talk about innovation, I would say that uh, we typically think about tech companies and definitely for profit businesses. And rarely would a nonprofit, especially a partnership
1: like this, come into mind. Do you think what you're doing is innovative? The fact that we have produced and developed an award-winning model, national model, that people are looking to replicate, I would have to say yes. So do you think your model would work anywhere?
2: Or does it really start with if you have the right people, that's more important?
3: Well, that's the question we're actually asking ourselves. Is it really just because of, you know, how awesome Keith is or how how great of a team we have? How great or, Ronnie or, is. Yeah, right? <laughs> we have mutual admiration societies all over the place in the near west side. But I do think we have a model that is innovative and we believe it is portable, it is replicable, but it is contingent on people wanting to put it into action. Hmm. You can't change a neighborhood or change perceptions of a neighborhood by making it less negative. What that does is it it sort of mitigates some other issues. But the reason people come to a neighborhood is for its assets. And that's the, the model that w- um, we're excited about. It's called PARC, and it stands for Promoting Assets and Reducing Crime. And we, we believe that that model can be deployed almost anywhere.
2: Keith, you mentioned that one of the concepts that made this work is you had to learn and you had to have the people learn that it was okay to fail. I wonder, with the best model in the world, if the people you're giving it to aren't comfortable with that, my sense is it wouldn't work at all. So how do you figure out if the person you're giving it to has that or could learn that?
1: I would say there's a couple of things, I think, when it comes to the the nonprofit world. In order for that to happen and people feel comfortable, you believe in the staff, you believe in the mission, you know there will be, mistakes will be made, but you understand the overall goal is that we're learning, trying to get there. Um, I think that was valuable. So as we look at trying to transfer this model and replicate the model across the country, having the commitment of our leaders is so important. I'm curious so far,
2: What would you guys say is the biggest success you've had?
3: Well, I'd say probably our most visible success is uh, the Rev Up MKE. It's a small business plan competition, kind of along the lines of a Shark Tank style.
1: It's an amazing program. We've been able to recruit 38 new businesses in the near west side. A lot of that is due to people hearing about how we're business friendly in the near west side. Um, So it's an amazing program.
2: So I'm... I'm curious, you have this passion t- for supporting the current residents. And you have this equal passion to add new residents. The new residents aren't coming yet because they're looking for something different. I, I think what you're looking for is change. And yet, when you guys have described this problem, there's almost a sense of a, such a loyalty to the neighborhood as it exists today, that's trying to avoid change. And I wonder if you're not stuck a little bit in that tension that you either want a different future Mm -hmm. and you're going to take what comes with it and we'll work through those issues, or we really want to protect a bit what we have and make it better than it is today. And those are two equally good goals, but very different. So it feels like you have a classic innovator's dilemma problem.
3: I think that tension that you described is what, what keeps us honest and what keeps us focused because there are people and there are projects around the country that we've looked at where you can just buy the problem. We're not willing to get rid of what's here and, and replace it with something that wasn't here. That is not our goal. So when we look at how can you, how can you thoughtfully create change that doesn't fundamentally alter who you are uh, as a community i just look at marquette you know over it you know since 1881 it's been here and it you know there's probably not a year that goes by that it doesn't look a little different every year it doesn't fundamentally change who marquette is and so that tension is part of our mission it's part of who we are and all of the anchors share the belief that the tension matters and we have to be true to it.
1: I think an example that I, I would share that I think it's very interesting and enlightening to your point is that recently we partnered with uh, the Amazon Ring Corporation. Our initial thought was that we would be able to, hey, we're partner, provide significant discounts to our residents and there wouldn't be an issue. We actually had some residents who was like, hey, you know what, I don't know, I have some safety concerns. We allowed the residents to have that conversation we were there to answer questions, but really it was up to the residents to see if they were willing to embrace this new technology. It is sometimes a balance, as you mentioned. Ultimately, we don't want to get before our residents and do anything that isn't well-informed and that they are going to be supportive of.
2: So you both have now <laughs> been working with Near West Side Partners for about five years. I'd like you each to tell me what's the biggest failure you've had in your role? in the last five years, and what did you learn from it?
1: My thought process was that as far as side partners, we would work with a number of community groups to do the community organizing. Um, My assumption was that if you connected with the schools, you would connect with side. If you connected with the churches, you would connect with the side. Ultimately, um, that was a mistake on my part. Um, Not to say that we don't have young youth who come from this neighborhood who attend the schools. Not to say that we don't have people who uh, come from this neighborhood who attend the churches, uh, but the stats uh, kind of bear out um, overall differently. In other words, the institutions that you
2: think represent the community actually don't to the level that you thought, that mm. you really had to go one not level t- deeper. Not to the level, yeah. Rona, how about you?
3: I mm. think um, I think we all learn to be a little bit more humble in our approach and you know here we are these institutional anchors with really a lot of resources and I don't think we really recognized or I didn't recognize just how much the people who have been here for so many years felt like it wasn't accessible to them and then all of a sudden here we are we're we're going to be here and we had to um we had to take a few steps back, <laughs> and 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 the listening and the appreciating um, where they're coming from, and um, and being willing to say, "Yeah, we we probably haven't been the best neighbors." So, making ourselves accessible, not understanding how important that was, I think that was that was something we failed at early on.
2: So we found a quote that, uh, Keith, where you've said that there's always people who say, let's try, but you say, let's do. And you both, I think, exhibit Mm. that saying. What do you think it is that makes other people afraid to just do? What gets in their way?
1: That's a good question. I would say uh, that I'm always excited uh, coming into work in the morning and driving the nearest side and seeing just the boatload of opportunities. And to me, I see sometimes where people may see uh, a brick wall, (laughs) I see opportunity. And I think that sometimes we get stuck in perceptions, we get stuck um, in what everyone else is doing and being able to look and see the value. And so a lot of that comes from, I think, from having um, a mindset and having a board who encourages that mindset. Rana,
2: your perspective?
3: I think you can't be afraid to fail. I think that that fear of failure is paralyzing for many people. And and what we're trying to do is not easy. And um, what we've been able to do is, um, despite actually many leadership changes uh, over the last five years, we have made it fun.
2: I'd like to ask you both. If there's a young person sitting out there listening to this podcast that thinks they want to take on a challenge like you two have taken on, what's the one piece of advice you would give them as they start their journey to try to do something, transform
1: their neighborhood or something along these lines? I think it's important that you realize that a lot of people have done, have either attempted, have done, or are trying to do what you're doing. And that sometimes I think when you when I talk and I listen to some of the younger crowds, it's more of I'm doing something no one has ever. (laughs) And I think there are so many lessons to be learned. And uh, if there was a life hack is being able to take advantage of people who have tried or done what you've done uh, or done what you would like to have. What would you like to do? The information that's out here is it's just amazing, uh, especially with. Uh, what's online, but even just finding a person that you can rely on to bounce ideas off of, to get a better understanding of life and where you're at in your position in life, and then how does that affect your decision-making? Um, I think that is definitely a value add. Yeah, there's a lot of collective wisdom out there. It's mm-hmm. uh, But when
2: you're young, it's tough to listen to it sometimes. Yes. Rana.
3: <laughs> when you're young, you have so much ahead of you. So go for it. You know, you have so much time uh, to pursue whatever it is that makes you, that gives you joy or that makes you happy um, and that that maximizes your talents. And I guess that's just, you know, if I had one word, you know, be a believer, you know, don't just be, you know, believe, you know, you have to believe that it's possible.
1: Anything you wish I would have asked you all that I didn't? I also just would share with Those who are listening and those who are interested in doing the type of work that we do is that there, Rana said something earlier about humility, and I think there is a value add in making sure that that you're listening. I think sometimes we can come through the perspective we bring our thoughts, our principles, values, upbringing, and you know just. You know, you should just do this, not knowing that people arrive at life in so many different ways and different angles and their viewpoints are totally different. And to have some humility and have some respect and be intentional about understanding others, um, uh, that is so key, at least for the work that we do. Um, It's hard. The more assumptions we have, the difficult it is to do our work.
3: If you haven't been here in our neighborhood in a while, you know, you know, Marquette was founded by an explorer, father marquette and so come and explore
2: awesome this has been really a great conversation i think what you guys are doing is so important your idea of a model that we can use around the country i think is really important and it's also getting the right people who think the right way involved and i'm so glad the work you're doing and i'm really excited to see what the future holds so thank you both very much thank you thank you Thanks to Rana and Keith for joining me on Innovators on Tap and discussing the incredible progress they made with the Near West Side Partners. We often put innovation in the context of technology, products, and services, but it applies to all aspects of our lives, and today's episode shows you what's possible when you apply social innovation to neighborhood development. As Rana pointed out in this episode, you can't be afraid to fail, and overcoming the fear of failure is a consistent theme among all innovators' journeys. Many years ago, I was given a small metal plaque with a quote engraved on it that reads, what would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? When it comes to innovation, to doing something new to make the world a little bit better, the only way you can fail is to not try. If you found value in this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, because I think we all know of things that could use some innovative thinking. Please feel free to contact us through our website at innovatorsontap.com. We are always open to new ideas or critical feedback. My belief as an innovator is anything you do today can be done better tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Let's go change the world.